0: Hey everyone, this is Brian Wampler with another episode of the Chasing Tone Podcast, the podcast where we talk about guitars, amps, effects, as well as a healthy dose of tangent-based off-topic discussions. And joining me today is Blake Weiland. He's the host of another guitar podcast called The Tone Mob, where he interviews a variety of artists, creators, and also gear builders. Today we discuss giving pedals away, relic guitars, and how it's not about the looks, and spring tank Reverb using impulse responses. Let's jump into it. So recently on the newest video that I just put out today, well, if you listen to this a year from now, it's like last year, but today um, I put a video out about Vox and Fender Amps and which one is a better pedal platform, right? Okay. Fairly, uh, you know, fairly normal subject, not Not too far out in the weeds or anything like I didn't discuss phase inverters or negative feedback or, you know, like I didn't go down that far, but I Mm -hmm. did basically just show, um, tube screamer. Like I call them like the bread and butter overdrive circuits, like a tube screamer topology, a Klon type of thing. I use the Tumnus of course, and then something that's more like a, like you'd have with the transparent drive. I use the Euphoria. Um, and then my, my, so my what I did is I, okay, I had the amp set up clean, played okay. played the pedal, uh, you know, with the gain up that way. Okay. Then um, I turned the amps all the way up. So they're, so they're now clipping and distorting themselves. And then I played the pedals with the gains up. And then I turned them back to where I'd use it more like a, a booster, you know, into a dirty amp, mm-hmm. which is, you know, two different ways to use the same pedal through the same, you know. Two different ways to use the same pedal, but getting two different tones. Right. And in the video, as I'm editing the video, I thought, you know, this is, uh, this is too cut and dry. We need to add something a little quirky in here because it's, it's not a me video if there's not anything quirky. Right. So, so I started out thinking, you know what would be awesome is a reverse video where I fall down on my back. Well, literally, it would look, if I reversed it, it would look like I was laying down. And then rose up, and then walked to grab my guitar and sit down. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that proved to be painful to fall backwards, so I scrapped that <laughs> one. Because C- okay. to pull that off, you li- you literally have to fall backwards straight, right? Or yes. else it doesn't look right. Um, so I, I scrapped that. I'm 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 45 years old. That that hurts. Um, so then from there, I'm like, okay. So what else can I do? So I called my son in here. I'm like, Brent. That's my son's name, Brent. I said, Brent, I was, I'm going to throw a guitar at you. I need you to make sure you catch this Whitfield <laughs> guitar. I'm like, this is really expensive. Do not drop this guitar. So we practiced it a few times. You know, I, made, you know threw it, I gave it a little, little, little shove at him, and he caught it. And then I moved back a little bit and, until I got like four feet away. And I'm like, all right, he'll catch this. So I did that because I wanted the guitar to look like it was, like I was kind of using the force to grab it.
1: Uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. And then, of
0: course, I walk backwards and then sit down, but in the video, it looks like I'm walking somewhat normal, but kind of like a duck since I'm walking backwards, not intentionally. (laughs) But apparently when I walk backwards and you reverse it, it looks like I'm walking like a duck.
1: I never really thought about that. (laughs) Yeah. That does kind of make sense. Yeah. Walking, you walk backwards, you walk kind of weird when you walk backwards. Yeah. It's, no matter what you do.
0: It's totally different. And I've practiced it a lot to try to make it look normal. Like Literally, that's, that's a part of my day when making a video is practicing walking backwards while filming it to make it look normal. Anyways... So yeah, good use of my time there. So uh, glamorous. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. There's nothing better I can think to do with a good Tuesday. Of um, course,
1: there's <laughs> no more productive use of your time than right. learning to walk backwards. Exactly.
0: So, uh, so I'm I'm doing all that. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we got we got we got an intro now. I need to do something funky on the back. So I'm like, uh, what happens if I make myself a ridiculous cup of coffee? So like I'm pouring, like, a, you know, two cups of sugar into a cup and a bunch of cream into a cup, and then I'm pouring coffee into a cup. And my thought was, this might be cool if it's if it's backwards, you know, where it looks like the liquid's going back into the coffee pot, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't work. I mean, it was okay, but it didn't really get the, the desired effect. So I just kept it. At, I basically just chopped it up with, with jump cuts and... And kept it on the end. And then, because I knew no one was going to watch this, but I wanted something stupid at the end that no one would watch so I could put an empty message in. Not an empty message, but a hidden message. And the message is like towards the like 30 seconds into it. I'm like, you're probably not watching this now, are you? And it just flashes on for a split second. Just a real quick split second. Okay. And then it waits about 10 seconds and says, all right, the first person that sees this and emails me I'll just send you a free pedal, but you have to be the first person Pedal your choice, wherever you are. And again, it's like three frames long. It's, it's super quick. Right. And, um, it's just a flash when you're watching it. And lo and behold, today has been a day. Uh, well, someone did win the pedal. Um, so congratulations to him. I would pull it up, but that would slow my internet speed down. And then we wouldn't be able to have a conversation. What but, did he pick? Uh, he, that's a good question. I don't remember. I think he picked... Okay. a I I think he picked... No, I do remember. It was Dracarus. He picked a Drakaris.
1: Good choice. Yep. Very good choice.
0: Yep. And uh, so, so he won it, and now the rest of my week is going to spend, be spent answering people to, you know, basically, uh, sorry, but you were not the winner. We already have a winner, but thanks for watching our videos over and over and over and over and over and over and over again.
1: Well, Brian, uh, I can tell you this. Welcome to my end of the month, because I do that literally at the end of almost every month. Uh,
0: You give out free pedals every month?
1: uh, It's been pedals. I I just say guitar stuff. So, yeah, on on my podcast, we do uh, a trivia game with the newsletter. So, like, if you listen to the Tone Mob podcast and you're subscribed to the newsletter, like... I send out like weekly emails like, here's the episode and here's what's kind of going on in Tone Mob Land or guitar stuff that you may care about type of thing. Um, It's not always weekly, but I try to keep it weekly. And then at the end of the month, there is one that goes out that has all that same stuff in it, but there's a trivia question at the end. And the trivia question is based on something that was brought up at some point in the month during the podcast. So, like, for instance, it will be like, what did this guy use? What pedal did this guest use on this particular song? And I make sure that like they did say exactly, you know, whatever the question is, it's stated in the podcast. And then the first person to answer gets whatever the prize is that month. And so, yeah, every, at the end of every month, I'm answering, answering emails. Sorry, you did not, you were not the first, (laughs) the exact same situation that you have found yourself in now.
0: (laughs) Do you copy and paste or do you type each
1: one? Uh, I tend to copy and paste portions of it. Sometimes they, they, you know, sometimes people will chime in and say with the right answer, but they weren't the first. So I have to modify it a little bit for that. Or sometimes people just they just think they know the answer and it's completely wrong. And so (laughs) those two those two versions I I have. Yeah, some uh, some replies for they're a little bit canned, admittedly, which is not normally how I like to do it, but it's uh, I would never get done otherwise so, and i try to resp- i do respond to everybody so they know if they want or not right
0: know? that's my thing is i, I want to make sure everyone's responded to and i honestly thought like four people were going to reply because <laughs> it's at the it's it's at the end of a video and no one ever watches the end of the video uh, yeah i mean they just don't and um it's also during a really boring part <laughs> and, and it's also just flashed really quick. And usually most people are like multitasking, you know, they're doing something else while a video is playing. So I thought, ah, no one's going to see this. Or, you know, there'll be like a handful
1: of people. How many emails do you think you've gotten on that so far? Roughly.
0: Well, I just released the the video just, I don't know, an hour or two ago. And I have probably have gotten
1: 40, 40 emails so far. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, what's interesting, you were talking about nobody watching the end of videos and and I know that that is generally true, but I was just talking to who was I talking to? Oh, it was Grant Wilson from Big Ear Pedals. Yep. And he was talking about the way he engages with videos uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Well, maybe in general, but we were talking about Instagram mostly is like he'll sit there and watch a video like we were talking about a video that I made. And he's like, yeah, I'll sit there. I'll watch the whole thing. And because of how Instagram is oriented, I won't do anything, even though I absorbed it and enjoyed it. I won't scroll back up and like it. Like he's like he was just noticing this about himself. He was like, I- I'll just scroll to the next thing, um, which is interesting. And I also think that's how a lot of people do it. It's more convenient just to keep scrolling. Like right. you may have genuinely enjoyed whatever piece of content you just saw or found it interesting, but you've absorbed it. And now you're moving on. Um, and, and then as content creators that puts us in a weird spot uh, to it help it's hard to know what you like and what you don't <laughs> it's kind it, of a weird thing
0: and really on on most platforms that have video or, or some sort of uh, you know notoriety system or whatever you you need that thumbs up you know what I mean to reach more people like the more thumbs up you get then the more people that you know whether it's YouTube or Instagram or whatever the more people to show it to, to see, uh, you know, to, to get your content in front of
1: them. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I said, Grant, please click the like button. <laughs> I need those likes, not because I actually care about what the number looks like, but you know, that is how people find it. Right. If you is, want to be, if
0: you and if you want to be super nice, leave a comment also.
1: Even oh if it's yeah, just,
0: uh, even if it's just nice, you know, even something simple like that.
1: I mean, those the comments are really big I, I, in every platform. It doesn't matter what platform you're talking about. The comments are a driver. If if, if those if those platforms, I guess this is almost like a, a if you have creators that you really like, this is a way you can support them without really doing any work. Right. I know it sounds like really strange, but it is it is a genuine help if you leave a, a reply or even just click that like button. Like it actually does help your creators in a small way. So if you got people you're a fan of, I know it's not this podcast, but if you really got some people that you're a fan of, make sure you <laughs> click their like buttons. Hey,
0: what what are you talking about? We talked about guitar stuff
1: today. We did. I <laughs> Oh, I wanna tell I do want to tell you about a guitar something I did recently that was a lot of fun and is guitar related. Uh-huh. So yep. I I I'm doing some more stuff in in uh in that haunted house this year and Wait, you know it's just, that- just that haunted house fulfilling a childhood fantasy of mine
0: oh that's right so you participate in in uh, dressing up at a haunted house right
1: yeah and frightening children it's a wonderful experience i'd forgotten about that okay yeah so it's kind of coming back around for that and and you know as part of the the gig you're you're helping put it together and and you know all that stuff and so there was a section there's a section with some like a creepy kids room set up and these like creepy monster kids appear and I, I was tasked with making some video for it, or excuse me, some audio for it. And I, uh, I, uh, I, chopped, I, I chopped together a pretty terrifying version of Animal Crackers that Shirley Temple, Shirley Temple does uh, with baritone gu- fuzzy guitars and like these pulsating rhythms and pitched up. And I basically used my pedal skills for evil. <laughs> uh, and, and created this horrible sounding. I mean, it's it's it sounds pretty good. It sounds like high quality, but it's it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> and it's just like animal crackers in my soup. And it's like a monster voice. It's really it's it's been a fun it's been a fun project, but it made me f- realize that I think baritone guitars and and high gain fuzz are the best things on the planet. That's just that's just a fact. i I'm planting my flag <laughs> in the ground. Right there, if you want to make horror, horror sounds, you got to have a barrack tone guitar and a high gain fuzz and a real choppy tremolo there you're is gonna, no there is
0: no dispute here.
1: Yeah, you're gonna make weird sounds. It's gonna be great. But what's been new with you? Um, what else has been new with you other than giving away pedals?
0: Well um, actually something that I found that I'm sure if those who are familiar with uh, recording might know all about this, but something that I kind of became aware of. Is um, we talked about impulse responses a million times, right? Okay. So I'm um, surely it, quick version. If you don't know what it is, it's uh, it's a more accurate way to either do cabinet modeling or reverb type stuff. That's the best, quickest way I can explain it. Yes. Well, I was in Logic Pro. Getting ready to record a video, and I was like, eh, "I really don't want to use like the reverb on my deluxe reverb is actually messed up, and I I don't have the extra time to pull it apart to see what's actually going on or why it's not working." And I'm like, "Ah, all right, well I'm just going to use a plugin for this." So I found um, within Logic Pro itself, I found a couple of Spring Tank um, impulse responses that just sound fantastic, just oh, absolutely, yeah? just great, yeah. So of course I used them on there, but it's just, um, man, it's whenever you're recording guitars and you have reverb, it's always, it's always in mono, right? I mean, cause you know, one mic, one speaker, you're basically in mono at that point. Well, not basically, mm-hmm. you're tech, you know, technically in mono. Um, what, and, and I could change it with the IR, but what I did is I, I made it, I made sure it was a stereo IR. And so there's stereo separation from a spring tank and it just fattens everything up. Just so nice.
1: Mm.
0: Mm, oh, interesting. Oh, it's so much fun. Like it's stuff like that that I when I'm when I'm messing around with DAW and, and playing if I'm playing you know, I'm playing through an amp, but it, you know, I'm usually running it also through a DAW. You know, for cabinet emulation and recording and stuff. And when I find nugget, nuggets like that, I'm like, man. Like I've, I've been using, I've been using a reverb of some sorts, but this was this was buried down in in the menu section, and I'm digging it. Wish I'd found this sooner. So, so now that's, I'm gonna. That's I'm, interesting. Yeah, so now I'm on a kick. I need to, I need to find some different IRs that have a, you know that are impulse responses of different spring tanks. Not really for any other reason, because uh, other than you know my interest in it. <laughs> because <laughs>
1: because you want to hear different spring, spring tanks what right. more justification do you need right there's yeah i don't really need it but i just want it so yeah i mean it's the same thing with pedals you know i i get that all the time well you do need any more pedal- well of course i don't need any more pedals that's not really the point i want all of the pedals that's the that's <laughs> the point <laughs> all of them <laughs> all of them I think we've talked about this before, but do you know, like we, we talk about like we, oh, we got too many pedals, but you and I are, are amateur hour compared to Bart over at effects database. Uh, he told me at NAM a couple years ago that he had in his own possession over a thousand pedals. Are you serious? Yeah. That's what he said. I was like, Whoa, that's I, my life goals right there. I had <laughs> no idea. I had no idea yeah. he had that many. That's so many, right? That is a crazy amount of pet I don't know anybody that has more petals than that other than like maybe the Sweetwater warehouse
0: <laughs> I'll like see, there's definitely times where we have more than a thousand petals but you know it's they're usually getting ready to be shipped or you know in the process of getting put on a shelf so they can be shipped. Exactly. <laughs> a little different situation. <laughs> a little different. It's a little bit little bit different than just collecting
1: petals, yeah for sure. Do you do you I mean, obviously, with certain varieties like tube screamers and big muffs and stuff, there's so many different shades and flavors that, of course, you're going to have some crossover. But are you the type that like will buy or own uh, multiple variants just based on looks? Because I, as much as I like that stuff and I like the collectibility factor of having different looks, if I got if I have a pedal and it makes the sound and the other one makes the exact same sound, I'm probably not going to have both. Like I'm probably not going to have different colorways.
0: Mm, I'm not that I'm, I'm utilitarian, man. Um, yeah, I, I do have two tube screamers, but that's because one's a new one and one's an old one. That's, that makes sense. That's the only reason. One, you know, one was Brent Mason gave me one from the '80s or something, and then I bought a new one like a year ago or something. And yeah, and that's um, yeah, you know, when I when I I mean to kind of put it in perspective, whenever I need a tube screamer, I pull out the new one because. You Know by the time it gets on YouTube, you can't tell a difference,
1: <laughs> and you have to worry about the new one breaking, or not that the old ones break all the time, but it's you know, it's been around the block, it's had some it's, wear
0: and tear, it's definitely been around the block, some
1: yeah. It's
0: um, yeah, it's it looks like it's been dragged behind a truck. Oh,
1: but, man, yeah, I love pedals that look like they've been dragged behind a truck.
0: I like I don't that, know man. Why. Yeah, it's uh, that goes with relicking in general, and well, I mean. To me, it's not the looks, though, if we're talking about Relic guitars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I have, so I have a couple of Whitfields that are, Whitfield guitars that are Relic, and what I like about those is, it's not how they look, it's that whenever I pick them up, they feel like they've been played for a long time. They've, right. Like, it, it just, it doesn't feel like a stiff, brand new guitar, like a pair of shoes. Um, it just, it feels like it's been worn in and it's been sweated on and bled on and, you know, you know, everything else. Uh, it, it hasn't, but that that's to me, good relicking does that uh, outside of, um, just the way it looks. I, I honestly don't really care how a guitar looks that much. Although I do try, I do kind of tend to look for cool colors if I can, but that's always secondary to how it feels and sounds.
1: I mean, it is and it for me, it is and it isn't. And I think that the sooner that more guitar players start admitting that their guitars are a fashion accessory, the better because they 100 percent are like if you took one of my favorite guitars and like drew something inappropriate on it, I'm probably not going to want to play it anymore because I actually do care what it looks like. You know, like I'm probably never going to play like, you know pointy shredder guitars on a regular basis, although I kind of want one in the stable just for fun. Uh, It's not really the aesthetic I like, and I think that that guitar players for a long time have been like, well, you know, it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as it sounds good, but it's like, it kind of does matter what it looks like. Like, they're a performance prop. They're like a, they're part of the act. They're part of the show, and the aesthetics are a big part of that, and I think that's largely what drove the initial craze of relicking was the aesthetics. And I think people stuck around for the reasons that you stated as they feel good. They sound cool. They feel right. They feel like an old, an old friend. And uh, sometimes people don't want to wait 40 years of playing their current guitar t- to where it feels that way. They want it. They want one it feels that way today. So I think there's a time and place for everything. You, uh, you had mentioned
0: um, a video of some sort where Two people were talking about it. Do you do you want to bring that up or do we let? That oh pass? yeah, that was
1: that's kind of no. That's kind of what we were talking about. I mean, it's everyone's entitled to their opinion. Like I understand why somebody wouldn't like a relic. I get the I get the mentality behind it. And that's cool. That's your if that's how you feel. But no, it was a it was a video from the 42, 42 Gear Street stuff. Uh, I think it's on I think it's on Phil McKnight's channel. Um, and it's basically some YouTubers. You know, Brian from 60 Cycle, China Mike and Glenn from Specter Sound. They're all just kind of battling it out about their views on relics versus non relics. And so that's kind of what inspired Brian and I to talk about it off the air. And then it sort of uh, spiraled out, of you know, spiraled into this conversation. So I don't know. I think, you know, if you're happy with your relic, then I don't care. <laughs> I don't personally own any relics, but I will. I probably will someday. Just haven't found the right one yet.
0: Let's see, I'm looking right now. I have one, two. Let's see, one, two, three, four. I do have, I got a strat that's Ruck. So I have two Telecasters my Les Polycaster, which is slightly relict, uh, Friedman uh, Telecaster, which is slightly relict, and then Whitfield Stratocaster, that's slightly relict. And what's, uh, what else do I have? I have a um I have a couple of guitars that have been relicked by natural causes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I've got some of those. <laughs> I I definitely have some of those. I've got some I've got a guitar, you know, my first guitar. It's not a relic or extreme by any any stretch of the imagination, but if you look at it in the light r- the right light, rather, it's like, "Wow, what did you do to that guitar?" <laughs> It's, it's got scratches all over it's a kind of a matte finish so it's hard to tell right but when you get the angle just right it's like wow you really uh hate this guitar don't you just want to beat it to death
0: you, you mentioned aesthetics on guitars uh, a minute ago and <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind okay here's here's uh, another weird quirk quirk about me okay oh, so, boy. so we know we know that Brian does not like drains. At Brian all.
1: hates drains whether so sinks, much. Whether in sinks,
0: whether in bathtubs, whether in, especially in pools, the deeper the water, the more I hate it. Okay? <laughs> Seriously, that's the way it works. Okay, I get it. All right. Um, stickers. I freaking hate stickers. Okay. Now, I know that's Interesting. weird. Especially on guitars. Or doors. Or any, basically... Or, or doors. Yeah, or I really doors? don't like... Yeah, just like you know I my kids are older now but whenever they're younger like they'd put these little tiny stickers on things and I'm just like ah
1: it's just like a please stop you're killing me it's like me and glitter that's how I feel about <laughs> glitter every time I see glitter on me I'm just like I think I, I think I think I died a little bit just a little bit
0: you would right um now. you would not be able to you wouldn't be able to be around me, dude. Like it's my, my wife is in love with glitter, and everything has glitter on it. Everything I,
1: I know, I it's, know. Even yeah. your garage floor. Even we my, talked about. This. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Did we talk about it on the podcast? Yeah, it's uh, our entire house has glitter in it everywhere. In fact, I, I've now I have now carried it into the barn where my where my you know little shop studio
1: is, mm-hmm. and
0: I'm noticing I now have glitter in my floor that just won't sweep up. It's too small. Just doesn't come up. Yeah,
1: yeah. See, I think I think I did say this on the podcast before, but I think it's just time to burn it all down and collect the insurance money. There's <laughs> nothing else you can do at this point. Well, you're not going to get rid of it. That's for sure.
0: I, I definitely wouldn't burn it down and collect insurance money because that's illegal. First of all, and well, uh, <laughs> second, dream. second of all, um, I have actually thought about tearing it down legitimately. Oh. <laughs> Like legitimately tearing it down and rebuilding it because the the way this is built, um, it probably is going to make much sense to anyone else unless you're standing here. But imagine a sixteen by sixteen room. Mm-hmm. That's where we started, and then I'm like, I need more space, so I added an eight by sixteen front to it. And then I'm like, I need more space, so I added another eight by what is that? Eight by probably yeah, probably twelve or fourteen. Okay. That, that's oh. like storage space it's all shelving all storage stuff and then i'm like i need an isolated room for my amps for, for miking things so this is this is before brian discovered how wonderful impulse responses were and um so i have an isolated room that's you know co- like it's double walled it's it's completely isolated like you put a I, you put the 100 watt plexi in there you can barely hear it from the outside like standing That's outside awesome. of, oh it's crazy it's crazy how how soundproofed it is um so it's it's handy when you need to do that but i i really don't have uh the need to do that that often anymore so
1: but anyways uh you know, yeah but that, you should just because you can though
0: Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still, I, st- it's not that I don't crank up amps. I just don't need to put them in a controlled environment so I can leave the mics on them. That, that was the whole thing is just le- leaving mics in a very specific place. So I- that way, every, every week when I do videos, it was just ready to go, you know?
1: Um, that is the problem I'm running into is, is I'm always having to re mic everything up every time because I'm playing different stuff. And it's like, oh, this is like half of the, Half of the work, just setting everything oh, dude, up, literally.
0: Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not uh, being facetious about this, but whenever we had that setup where everything was mic'd, we had generally three, no less than two, almost always three or four mics on a cabinet. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're miking things, there's always phase problems. The further you are away from, if the mics aren't the exact same distance, then you're going to have some phase difference. And yeah. and not even just like. I mean, a mic can be—you know—one mic versus another can be rat- the, the 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 part that actually picks up the sound can be a different distance away, right? Of course. Like so, even that has to be taken into account, or else now you're looking at waveforms and aligning fa- aligning fa- uh, uh, lining the sine waves and all this crazy stuff. And you can use plugins to help you get there if you need to in a hurry. But really, the best way is to line up the sine waves. Anyways. Um, Where the hell was I going with that? I
1: don't know. (laughs) Oh, you were gonna rebuild the barn. That's what we started with.
0: (laughs) Oh, I thought. So yeah, yeah. So um, so whenever, so whenever we didn't do that, like whenever I didn't have that isolated room, it literally took us an entire day to set up mics. One entire day per week because. You'd you'd set up three mics, and then you'd move one, then you'd move another, then you'd move another, then like, and you just did this over and over. You'd move it, and you'd go back and record something, listen to it, and you're like, okay, I need to move that another fraction of an inch this direction. And then you'd start that whole process over again. And next thing you know, you're like, I'm seven hours into this, and we're just now getting mics set up, man. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, you know, was it helped my productivity quite a bit in having that isolated room. And and now that I just run through the two notes captor and use a really good impulse responses uh, from Ownhammer and uh, Celestion, it's um, it's made my life just so much easier because I just I just got my sound like immediately boom oh there it is there's where the mics the, that's where I want everything mic'd sounds good let's go
1: yeah that's a that is kind of a game changer when you're talking about a productivity standpoint for sure like that's a that. I'm like fighting it, sort of, because not I'm not really fighting it because I don't really have a problem with it. But again, it's like that thing of the emulations and stuff are so cool and so well done, but it's still really hard for me to get interested in it for some reason. And impulse I'm, responses, I'm, yeah, because I'm still the guy like, mm, gonna, but I got these n- nice cabs and stuff that I want to I want to mic them up. Well, dude, I want to do it. I want to do it that so way. So here's for some reason. So
0: here's what you need to do. Like if I were if I were you. Uh, and I would agree that like, that's a big part of it. So go to a studio, any local studio that's near you. Okay. Sp- spend a day there and make some of your own impulse responses. Mm. Uh, and now, and now you have a snapshot in that room with your cabinets of your sound, wherever you go, mm. you got your that's sound. That's a good point.
1: That's a good idea. Cause I, I have some cabinets here that are. Not not that many, but I have a couple that are kind of unique and have a, a unique sound to them. I've got uh, this old uh, sun cab that I really love. That's just so has the coolest low end response. And then I've got this really weird six by 10 silver tone cab that I really like. And then my main my main cab is a, a 212 Marshall that looks it's one of those slant 212. So it looks like a miniature 412. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And they, I feel like that has its own kind of unique sound to it too. And so, all of my cabs, I'm like, well, they all have this different thing that I like. But you're right; that that would be a really good use of my time, it, maybe to go create some of those. Dude, it,
0: if you're if you're going to get hardcore into like the video game, where you where you need your setup, but you need it quick because you don't want to spend four or five hours trying to get all that stuff dialed in. Mm-hmm. Over, like if you if you look at your time that way, over a year, you get so much more time back. Just by spending a day in a studio making some impulse responses, because and they're going to have it, all the mics, like they're going to have good preamps. Oh, it's—I yeah. mean, it's. Well, I mean, it, there's worse things to do, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. basically, basically, you're using a clean preamp and you're running um, a sound through a cabinet and recording it at the same time.
1: That's so. What kind of sound is it? Like pink noise, or because I know, like, when I've done it for capturing room reverbs, we use like explosions. Uh, I, I mean, that sounds more aggressive than it will like pop balloons and use right. Im- like impacts like that to try to catch. I've done that before. That was I really in, I'm such a nerd that that was really fun to me, <laughs> like analyzing the room with my ears and then like right. setting up all the mic. I, I just had a great time with that. But um, I'm imagining you don't do the same thing when you're trying to capture cabinet response,
0: cabinet response. I've I've heard two different schools of thought and uh, um to be honest i i, I don't know I, I wouldn't consider myself a professional in this area to give like advice on what to do mm-hmm. but I know that um people use e- either pink noise or a sign sweep I think okay I think the and I've, I've heard of people using like something to pop but I think that something like that works a lot better when you're using an impulse response for a time like a, a reverb or something like that you know you're in a hall or a Church or something like that, and you want to capture the reverb of that room. I think that's when uh, a, a pop or an ex- not an explosion like dynamite, but something that right. makes an audible one one click noise. If that makes sense, you know, yeah. a, a pop of some sort, an impact, and imp, just one impact, and then you hear you hear the mics pick up rather all of the little you know inflections and all that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, they hear the the they, they get all of the reflections and details of the room, basically right. They, right. they hear, they hear what you're hearing and they translate it to the ones and zeros.
0: Right. So that's, that's what I would like to do. If, um, if I can get her, I mean, I guess if I ever get to the point where I'm like, I need to document all of my cabinets with the speakers in them for my own personal use. But like I use the same thing pretty much every time. Like I've got the own hammer stuff I use is from an AC 15 if I'm using the AC-15, it's from AC-15 amp. So it's basically the same thing, same speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I got a Deluxe Reverb, same thing. I got actually two different Deluxe Reverbs that I use. Uh, one has, um, I want to say CTS speakers, and the other one has Celestians in it.
1: Okay.
0: And uh, I like I like the Greenbacks from Celestians. If you're looking for impulse responses, I like those a lot. Uh, the cream backs, I use the cream backs quite a bit, which is what we use in the bravado amp, and they're just um, they they just sound they sound like my cabinet, like a two twelve cabinet. So I mean, really, that's what I'm looking at is whenever whenever I'm sitting in front of my amp, does this impulse response accurately sound like that? Whenever I put them all together, because right. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this at least on 15 or 20 of these podcasts, like I'm using more, I'm using more than just one impulse response or a better way to put that is more than just one mic in front of the speaker. You know, I'm using a ribbon, a cardioid, a room, actually stereo room, uh, a midfield, which is, you know, a speaker, uh, a mic 10 feet away or so, and then one in back of it. So like it's, it's capturing sound from everywhere
1: trying to make which it. Which is accurate. gonna that's going to give you a more and this is kind of this is something we talked about on a few episodes ago. That's going to give you more of what you hear in the room. Right. Type of thing. Which
0: which is what I'm going for. And if I was recording a song, I probably wouldn't do that same setup. But showing guitar sounds I'm always looking my my whole goal is to try to get it get to capture the sound that I'm hearing in the room. Not yeah. not to try to get a good sound of a recorded amp that would fit well in a particular song which is at that point as we said that episode i think like you said i think it was two or three ago that's when you're trying to get a guitar tone that fits in the context of this particular song for this particular tone you know it's it's just different it's it's a different thing
1: a lot of the really good tones that you hear in youtube demos and pedal like when they're focusing on a specific pedal and a specific sound some of those sounds wouldn't wouldn't work in a recording oh yeah like it it's so full spectrum and full frequency range and like that's what you want to hear because we're trying to hear what that pedal does yeah when you play it as a player and and so that makes sense but those tones are not necessarily going to to cut it in your in your band they may not
0: yeah i mean and and more than likely (laughs) when you hear the isolated tracks from a lot of popular songs you'll notice how bright they are how a lot of them had a lot of, a lot of mid range and no bass very little bass mm-hmm. content
1: yep because that's where the bass player's supposed to be that's do. that's where the
0: bass player sits and the bass drum yeah you don't you don't you if you leave that stuff in there you muddy everything up so that's pulled out when they're mixing it down or mastering it, or don't ask me about that part. Ask Mitch. <laughs> Mitch Mitch Gallagher's the man when it comes to that. But I know somewhere in that post production process, they're pulling that out.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're getting rid of that. Well, that's that's actually kind of to circle back to the horror movie soundtrack, uh, or a haunted house soundtrack rather. So I was finding some really funny things with you were talking about phase issues earlier. I was like utilizing phase issues to create certain feelings. So like there's these, you know, there's, there's this booming bass that goes along with this track. And I, I was able to get it tuned and EQ would just right to where, when it hits, it feels like it sucks the sound out of the room, Mm -hmm. but it's not, there's actually just so much sound going on that that's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's so much, so many phases like phase cancellations. It feels like this whooshing, like, It's like this weird little kid laughing, and then all of a sudden the bass hits and goes boom, and it just like sucks the rest of the sound out of the room. So (laughs) going back to to phase issues, uh, you can use them for good, or, well, I guess in this case, evil. Uh, You can use them to your advantage if you know what you're messing with.
0: Yeah, and really the same thing when recording with amps. A a lot of the, well, I I hate to generalize and it's like stereotype, but for lack of a better way to explain it, there's a large number of recorded sounds where technically the mics aren't exactly in phase with each other. There's a little bit of comb filtering, but it just simply works and it just sounds good. You know, I mean, it's just that that's all part of using the analog method of recording guitar amps, which is mics into something that amplifies sound and captures it, you know, Um, versus impulse responses, which, Generally, a, a lot of them will have uh, like phase corrected. So what I mean by that is uh, a mic that is that is ten feet away, and a mic that's right in front of the speaker; those will be in, in phase with each other. So you don't have that comb filtering. And there are plugins you can add comb filtering to it. Like you can you know move the the, the time, um, you know, c- kind of move the mic further back in time if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: so, no, I get it.
0: You know what I mean? So, which creates the phase, um, or the phase difference. But So I don't know. I, I kind of went off into weeds here a little bit, I know. Shocking. Hey, <laughs> 39 minutes into this mug, or whatever it is, and and that's impulse responses. <laughs>
1: and that's what, I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like we were very t- on topic with this episode, but I don't know if I could tell you what the topic was Besides impulse responses, but that's not all we talked about for forty minutes. So. No,
0: but you should have been trying to come up with the headline for last week's episode. Um, I literally started out with Brian and Blake basically just ramble on about not much.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's really what happened. If you want to, if you want to be honest in your uh, in your titles, that's that is what happened. Oh, oh, I know something real quick before we before we sign off. Sure. I want to clarify something for people. Um, I, I had a message the other day, uh, or I uh, was I reading something in a forum? I can't remember, but, um, somebody made reference to the fact that we were hanging out, you know, doing the podcast, like somewhere in Indiana. And I was like, don't forget that some of us aren't in Indiana, uh, through technology. <laughs> we are recording, we were recording this remotely. So yeah, this is most, this is more like a phone call than like, uh, than a, Regular conversation. Well, it's a lot like our regular conversations because those are all phone calls. But right, uh, I, I think I live we've, across the country from Brian. Everyone,
0: yeah, we've only done one podcast in person one time.
1: Yes, at Nam. While we, while I held my phone up and we gazed longingly into each other's <laughs> eyes and talked about Nam.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, while well, people looked at us very weirdly, like why are these people like talking three inches away from each other's face into a <laughs> phone? <laughs>
1: Like this looks so strange, but now that was see that was a couple of years ago. Now everyone would go, "Oh, those guys are probably recording a podcast."
0: Exactly, and now it's completely normal. Back then, people were
1: like, "What are they doing? Yeah. What are they <laughs> doing? Looks so strange. Why are they in the corner?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um,
0: you know, it's so weird. I would I would actually love to do to have a place like Joe Rogan or um, what's my favorite podcaster? James Altucher. There you go. Or something like he does, where you just have a studio set up, you're in a place where a lot of people come through, and you're like, hey, come on and sit down, and we're going to sit across from a table from each other and record and talk about whatever you want to talk about. That would be fantastic. But instead, I have Skype.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to, you know, I'm very thankful that we have the technology to be able to do this, because um, honestly, most of the most of podcasts in the world probably wouldn't happen if if the technology wasn't there, so... And I I know that I personally listen to a lot of them that are recorded remotely that I love. So you know it it can be done. It, uh, this this thing's been going for a while. It, it, it works, dude. Yeah, this this podcast is old. I really like this podcast. Is what 2014,
0: 15? Yeah, Something it's kind of like
1: old. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You, I think you were 14 because I was 15. So that makes sense.
0: Because I listened like, to
1: Chasing Tone before I started Tone Mob. So that's
0: literally that's, like a century in internet years.
1: It's weird, man. You know, it's weird. I, I mean, I go back and listen to old episodes occasionally. I don't, I don't like to because they don't sound that good. But like, <laughs> it's like, whoa, we've come a long ways in in our in a, in a lot of ways, actually. Chasing tone, not so much as chasing tones always sounded good. But my my audio quality back in the day, I was like, ooh, I let that through. Ooh. Oh,
0: I've had we've definitely had some moments on here. Remember, there was a there was a period of time where we were both using Ringer. Uh, rather than like right now we're talking through regular microphones, so it sounds a lot better, but we were yeah. using Ringer through our phones. Ringer is an app that you use to record podcasts with headphones um, or with, uh, you know, mobile mics basically to your phone. But there was a, remember, there was a time where you're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's crickets in the background. I'm sitting on my deck or, or whatever, you know?
1: Like, I just walk through my door and
0: it squeaks. So
1: Yeah. Well, because you and I are both pacers when we're on the phone. And we were, for yes. all intents and purposes, on a phone call. And so it was hard not to pace. I mean, my early Tone Mob episodes, um, the Bringer app was a little bit better. And it, the... I mean, it's still a really good app and still what I use to record, uh, mostly because I have no idea what my guest setup is going to be like. And I know I can get at least at least decent audio out of that. Um, It's a it's really good for people who aren't interviewing people who aren't podcasters. Right. Uh, um, But yeah, after a while, it was like, why don't we just call each other and then we'll just set up a mic and then it'll sound like we're together. (laughs) And that's probably where some of the confusion is. So. We didn't mean to pull a caper on you. That's just <laughs> that's just how it how it works. Unless unless Brian wants to fly me out to Indiana every week. Well, see that that would just be awkward
0: because then I'd have to put pants on.
1: Yeah, well, that would make the whole thing not fun. I mean, that's part of the glory of podcasting, right?
0: That's part of the go- That that's part of the glory of podcasting is I can sit in here in my boxers and nobody even knows. You know, nobody
1: knows. They do now. <laughs> You thought you got weird emails when they were looking for free pedals. Wait till you get these emails.
0: <laughs> oh, I can only imagine.
1: Oh, man. Uh, you know, oh,
0: you know, I, I know I wanted to bring up something real quick before we sign off. Okay. Um, you know, those old podcasts that whenever I, it's been a little bit, maybe a month or two ago, I went back and listened to a handful of them. And like I was saying, it seems like a century in internet years. My opinions on things have changed so much since then. I've often oh, had, the de- I've often had the desire to be like, ah, I don't even feel that way anymore. Like I don't, I don't, I don't look at things that same way. I need, you know, I probably should pull it down because it feels like wrong information now. Um, you know, like true bypass versus buffer. And no, I'm kidding you on that one. <laughs> um, but, um, but I mean, there are some things and some just different things we talked about. I'm like, mm, you know, I've since changed my mind on that particular topic. And, um, a lot of this stuff is so evergreen. <laughs> I'm sure in 20 years from now, if it's still up, someone's gonna be like, wow, that guy's nut. Well, they'll probably say that anyways, <laughs> actually. When I think about it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think, I think people will recognize, especially as podcasting matures. I think, we'll, I think listeners will are, they know what they're getting into. They know that like, if you go back and listen to something from four years ago, there's not, there's almost no chance that I'm going to have the exact same feelings as I did four years ago. There's almost zero chance of that if you're a human. We change. We're always in flux. So I don't know. I feel, I kind of view them more as a snapshot of who you were at the time, right? And it, I think people understand that. Yeah.
0: With video, it's quite a bit different because you like you can see you you can you can, seen, you can see the the difference in video quality, for example. It looks like an old camera from six years ago or whatever, right? You know, right. where you just you can't tell that with audio. So, anyways. I don't know what my point was with that, but that was something that I wanted to bring up with you, Blake, about how, uh, how I've grown up and matured as a podcaster.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, it sounds silly to say, but I definitely have, I've definitely grown a, a bit as a, as a person from having all these conversations. Cause I'm talking to people that I never would have been, ever had any business talking to before and their opinions and insights in, you know, when, when they're an expert on something, it, changes my view on things and you know right. so it, it it's almost impossible that we would be the same people that we were four years ago given what we do for a living so yep uh, just is what it is but wow 47 minutes man we did it we did good Look at on that. topic on on a guitar based topic i know this is weird
0: <laughs> i mean like
1: and that was at least 80 percent on topic we better sign <laughs> off while we're ahead <laughs> all right let's talk next week okay
0: bye And thanks for listening to the Chasing Tone Podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email podcast at wamplerpedals.com, and I'll personally get your email. If you like this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends, bandmates, or others into guitar podcasts. If you'd like to show your support for our show, the simplest and free way to do that is to simply go to the iTunes store or your favorite podcast app and leave us a positive review. You can also check out our pedals and amps at wamplerpedals.com, of course. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.